Teach me about the Great Lakes. Teach me about the Great Lakes. Welcome back to Teach Me About the Great Lakes, a podcast in which I, a Great Lakes novice, get people who are smarter and harder working than I am to teach me all about the Great Lakes. My name is Stuart Carlton, and I work with Illinois Indiana Sea Grant, and I'm lucky this week to be joined again by Megan Gunn. Megan, what is up? Nothing much. I'm missing the sunshine, but other than that, things are good. Yeah, this is the second day in a row, I think, where it said it was going to be sunny all day, and then it rained. I feel like... um, (laughs) That is suboptimal. We'll have to invite our friend Tom Coons back on to berate him about that. Well, great, Megan. I'm really excited today um, because we're going to talk a little bit more about chemistry, which I know nothing about, um, and microplastics, which I know a little bit about, thanks to our very first episode of Teach Me About the Great Lakes. And I'm really excited because our guest today is Lorena Rios-Mendoza. She is a professor of chemistry at the University of Wisconsin in Superior. But the main reason I'm excited is because she qualifies as a researcher, which means we can use the researcher feature theme. So let's hear it. Researcher feature, a feature in which a researcher going to teach us about the Great Lakes. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, the longer the pandemic goes, the more songs we get. Lorena Rios-Mendoza, Dr. Lorena Rios-Mendoza, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Good. Thank you for the invitation and very nice music. Oh, yes. (laughs) There's a lot more where that came from. (laughs) Stick around. And so you're a a chemist, right? So when I think chemistry, I think of Walter White, and that's it, um, from Breaking Bad. Uh, So what what does an academic chemist do uh, exactly? Okay, you know that we are doing is just preparing the uh, future um, chemists, um, professionals in science, like in biology, medicine, and pharmacy, and doing research, like in microplastic. Okay, so let's talk about that research. Like, so what is chemistry research when it comes to microplastic? I don't even know. Like, like you go out and you collect water and you look for plastic in it, or what? What does the research look like? Okay, and uh, in my research that I'm working is with the environmental chemistry pollution, and the now the main um, topic for us is the microplastic, and we collected the plastic from the sun on the beaches, or we can collect the plastic from the surface water in the Great Lakes and in the ocean, and we are using a net uh, that we call it the manta troll, and we call it the manta because it's very similar to the manta ray, the huge animal in the ocean. Yeah. And the size of the net is the 333 micrometers. That is exactly the same size that this animal filter the water. No this way, the manta troll. Yeah. All right. And help. you know, the people is asking, why is this size? Oh, because it's the manta. Yeah. <laughs> so help me understand. I, I'm not going to lie. It's been a bit. So help me understand how big 333 micrometers is. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one centimeter has 10 millimeters. One millimeter has 1,000 micrometers. Oh, so this is like a third of a millimeter. Yes, and then this means it's microscopic. (laughs) And it's not just pushing water as it's going through the water column. It's just filtered. It's filtered the water, and then all the solid, uh, bigger than the size, is retained in -hmm. the net. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so you said you worked in the the ocean, right? So you did, was that on the North Pacific Garbage Patch where you did that work? 
Yes, mainly I'm working in the uh, Pacific Ocean. I have some samples for the Atlantic, but the Pacific is my favorite. Why? Because it's Pacific. It's the Pacific <laughs> Ocean, yeah. And the North Pacific Jar um, is one area between Long Beach and Hawaii. And this is the water is just doing like a circles. And this is forming because it's the high pressure in the system. And then the water and the very high point of the pressure looks like a mirror. Okay. You know, the water is like a mirror. And this is the problem because this is why it can concentrate all the oh, debris, you know, and the plastic. Because the water is circling around so much and it just kind of sucks all that stuff into one place, right? Yes, exactly. And it's not just one point, you know, it's moving in the ocean. Oh, it moves around? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. over what kind but of... But it's kind of between this area, you know, because it's, it's in function to the how the wind is moving, how the pressure is changing. Yeah. Does the, does the garbage ever fall off of the edges? It's so difficult. Yes, this is why it's the wow. accumulation center. Yeah. Also, it's just growing over time. Then, as more and more garbage, because we're not putting less garbage in the ocean, I would assume. Um, so the the patch just gets bigger and bigger. Is that right? Uh, it's really big. Yes, it's, you can think it's two times the size of the Texas state. Oh, wow! Yeah, I was in Texas before I started the Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. I worked for. <laughs> Texas Sea Grant, and uh, I remember you can drive in Texas. This is not a joke. If you're in the middle of Texas, you can drive for a day in any direction and still be in Texas. Um, and, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then this is two times. So this is two mm -hmm. times. You could drive two days in any direction and, st and still be in the middle of the yep. garbage patch. Oh, my goodness. And and so what kind of research do you do out there? Do you, I mean, so you're studying the plastic. Do you, like, look for different compositions? What kind of plastics it is? I don't know. Or what are the effects of the plastic? Yeah, you know, um, my main that I'm saying, I'm working with the environmental chemistry pollution and with the persistent organic pollutants. This means synthetic compounds that are toxic that can cause cancer. Oh, geez. But I was working in the sediment. And then the Captain Charles Moore from the Algalita Marine Research Foundation from Long Beach, that he was that discovered this uh, uh, patch. He say, you know, I want to study the plastic. Do you want to study? And I say, no, who wants to study plastic? You know, <laughs> the plastics are so beautiful. What's going on with you? <sighs> but and then he say, it's because I found that a lot. It's like, a, you know, it's the garbage is like a just everybody's dumping the plastic there. And I say, yeah, but what is the problem? Just It's just plastic, you know, it's just garbage. And the plastic are, uh, the composition of the plastic is, huge polymer, like a huge change of compounds that are so heavy that have prohibit interact with the cell membrane. This is why we were thinking it's inert, you know, it's no problem for the human. But, uh, and then he said, yeah, but we need to check what's going on with this. And I say, okay, give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can study whatever I want. And he said, yes, you study whatever you want. And I did the same uh, work with the sediment in plastic. And is when I found it, that the plastic behave like a sediment. This means they absorb of these toxic compounds. But what is the difference? The sediments going in the, in the deep, you know, in the uh, very deep, in the lake, in the ocean, in the bottom. But and then the plastic is flooring. 
now we have a new source of these toxic compounds Just available the for there. the organisms. Yes, because they are fluorine, and everything that is fluorine in the water is food. I see. So now I get it. So this is, or I think I get it. Tell me if I'm right. So, so, so essentially you thought initially that this was not a problem that was inert. It wasn't going to absorb. It turns out it does very similar to how the sediment does, but it's floating. And therefore, I don't know, uh, uh, Pacific animals will eat it, whether it's a, I don't know, a shark or a turtle or whatever else they have otters in the Pacific. I don't even know what else they have. Probably not out there. Um, but, but, and they'll eat it. And then all of a sudden you're talking about it cascading up the food chain potentially, right? And then now, the plastic, smaller the size, can concentrate more toxic compounds. Really? Yeah. And then in the Pacific Ocean, we found that huge, big items of plastic, and we found that smaller. But when I went to the, um, here in the Great Lakes, that we found that was this microbeat from cosmetic products, and there are tiny, tiny this means can concentrate more than one million times of the concentration of the toxic compounds in the water. And then you can think two things. Yes, one, okay, the plastic is good because, and then this means is concentrated all the toxic compounds and then can clean the water. Oh, I didn't think about that. Sure, sure. Yeah, and it's true. They, they can do it. But now how we say, how we tell to the animals, don't eat it because they're bad. So if it could act and, like a sponge and suck up yes. all the compounds, that would be good. But but we can't then contain it. Hmm. Yes, exactly. But and then they can eat it one small piece with very high concentration of toxic compounds. Yeah. And is do we know if this uh, if this is then moving up the food chain, or we just know it has the potential? And there's still research to be done to find out if it if it actually no. Cascades. They 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 can do it. They okay. can do it. They can go to the you know the the smaller animal can. Yeah. consume and then the bigger eat it eat it and so on so on that only thing that we don't know is how long take what is the kinetics you know mm. how long take from the toxic compounds in the surface of the plastic go to the tissue to the organisms and then they can damage the endocrine system and the organisms thinking in the fish but and then when we eat at the fish we don't know if the problem go with us the problem stop on the beach. I mean, so I guess one way to avoid all this is to not just throw your garbage on the beach, right? But can we just just take the garbage out of the garbage patch? How does that work? Is anybody trying to remove it? You know, I was thinking, this is crazy how we can do it, you know? But some young people is thinking outside to the box, yeah? And in Europe, they are, um, in Netherlands, they are thinking like a form I was thinking first, oh, we can have a magic vacuum pump and take it up all the plastic. <laughs> no, yeah. But and then they put it this like a buoys, you know, that I try to clean it and put it all together, the, the, the plastic. That is a good idea, yeah. But mm -hmm. the problem is here, who is paying for the boat? Mm. Yeah. Now, we can think in another solution. Okay, we can build one boat that can um, use the solar panel, you know, and then could be totally automatic and then pick it up all the garbage. Yes. Now, what we are doing with the garbage, who wants to take care about it, you know, because the plastic cannot be easily recycled because it's so expensive. Yeah. And then we are in that situation. But I think at least, you know, the people start to thinking, 
try to find solutions. So there's some creativity involved in, in that. Yeah. Thank goodness, because mm-hmm. it's not like, I mean, plastic doesn't go anywhere. Um, at least not in any time <laughs> scale that matters for, uh, let's face it, me, who is the one I'm most interested in when it comes to this. <laughs> um, and, and so that's all in the North Pacific, though. Fortunately, we live in the Great Lakes where there are no garbage patches, right? Uh, no, no, we don't have it. <laughs> no. However, you know, the water is moving and it's moving. It depends what is the winds and what is the station, yes. And then can form like um, small gyres where we have the accumulation mm-hmm. of the plastic. Hmm. Yeah. And then we can have a sometimes accumulation, yeah. Is there a significant amount of that across the Great Lakes or is it just, is it intermittent? How does that work? You know, um, here in the Lake Superior, it's so huge and big. And then, and the, now, in my time, the people say the the dilution is the solution. <laughs> and then this is so big that you really cannot see it, higher concentration of the plastic. But Lake Erie, for example, in this lake, you can find everything. Yeah. And yeah. then the concentration of the Lake Erie still when there are low concentration in density of plastic, the plastic is so small and contain very high concentration of toxic compounds. Huh. And then if you eat at one fish from Lake Erie and you eat in one fish from uh, Atlantic or Pacific Ocean, you have a higher probability to ingest toxic compounds from Lake Erie than from Atlantic or the Pacific hmm. Ocean. Wow. That's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is why we need to protect the Great Lakes because, you know, it's not just the source of the food, it's the water. Yeah. Are, are these garbage patches in just a specific Great Lake or is it in all of the Great Lakes? Do they occur it's in all the Great Lakes? In all, yes. Oh. Still, when Superior is the cleanest lake, has plastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know the Lake Ontario, I, I don't know yet, you know, but I think this is the last lake and is the most contaminated. Why? Because everything in the water is moving and scored there. Jeez. So is there, you know, uh, we have a lot of people who are trying to be entrepreneurial or creative and trying to remove the plastic, but... Uh, you know, are there um, are there things that we can do to kind of prevent it from getting worse? You know, you see like metal straws or reusable bags. Does that kind of stuff make a difference? Or, or I'm, I, I'll, I'll admit I'm skeptical about that making a big difference. But but what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, it's not enough, but yeah. it's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The number one thing is we need to understand that the plastic is not just the garbage. The plastic is something else. Number one. Number two, we don't have the technology how to recycle really the plastic. Yes. Number three, already Asia closed the doors for our garbage. Mm-hmm. Plastic. You mean yes. because we used and to bring it over there and they're saying no now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the people will start seeing more plastic because before don't see it, just disappear, you know. And then we need to under- uh, understand that the plastic... Um, we need to use it with responsibility and then try to recycle, you know, and reuse and refuse. And always I say, use the four R's, no? Recycle, reuse, reduce, and refuse. Don't use plastic if you don't need to use plastic. Sure. And I think this is the best because we are the source of the plastic. 
we the humans. Yeah. The plastic industry will continue producing more plastic. Why? Because we are using. And uh, if people are interested in uh, learning more about microplastics, I can point you towards the very first episode of Teach Me About the Great Lakes with our own Illinois Indiana Sea Grant's own Sarah Zach. Uh, go check that out at uh, teachmeaboutthegreatlakes.com slash one for episode one. That's a new, number one, not a uh, not the letters. The numbers, not the letters. Okay, so now you've got me uh, uh, paranoid about the Great Lakes and, and plastic and, and garbage. Uh, but I, I think I think the one point you made that I want to underscore again is it's not just like garbage that leads to it, right? It's it's um, you know things that are in our uh, microbeads, although there are fewer of those because they're not legal anymore. I think what are other like sources of plastic other than you know I go and I throw a garbage bag on the beach and I run away. Um, <laughs> What uh, what other like what are other sources of this we might want to think about in terms of uh, you know using the four R's? You know, um, the society in all the planet is using mainly two types of kind of plastic that is polyethylene and polypropylene. This kind of plastic can float in 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 the water. It's very the density is very similar to the Great Lakes. But we're using plastic in almost everything that we are using in our society. We sleep in plastic, we eat it in plastic, we working in plastic. We are doing everything in plastic. In fact, the new people born in plastic, yeah. And now with the COVID <laughs> situation, we have a plastic everywhere. And you know what is the worst thing? They said, there is one study that they found that the, the SARS-2, the, the virus for the covid uh, 19 can it stay in the plastic until three days. Oh, okay. Jeez. What? So, yeah, and then we are using plastic thinking is for protection, and it is not. Huh. Or it, it only is if you <laughs> then throw it away, right? Um, exacerbating the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whenever I hear about this, I get depressed, I'll be honest. I mean, because, of course, plastic enables all sorts of amazing things, but boy, is there a, a cost to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, when uh, the plastic was invented, it has a very nice ideas. And the main was to reduce the use of the fuel, you know, because it's very light and cheaper. And all these kind of things were really good. But now we know that it's not. And you know what is the worst thing? That honestly, I don't think there is a bacteria in the planet that can destroy it, the plastic. Mm. Yeah, there is some bacteria that can eat it, some of the components of the plastic products, but not all the total plastic, because this is from the petroleum. Yeah, and then they can stay here forever and ever, like at the diamonds, all the time. <laughs> so scientists just need to create a bacteria to eat all of the plastic. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, <just> not, <laughs> we need to find different um, materials, you know. Just completely yeah. do away with plastic. Yeah, we need to find something that we can know how we can recycle, how we can dispose. This okay. is the main thing, yeah. And before, remember, we just invented something and we just wanted to know for what we want to use, know what happened later, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to propose something new, you need to say, okay, what is the way that I can recycle and what is the way that I can throw away you know so i want to shift gears a little bit uh to something else that is maybe even nearer and dearer to my heart than plastic and that is caffeine 
According to your website, you study caffeine in the environment as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that and uh, how good the coffee I drink every morning is for the, the lake? You know, maybe for you it's good, <laughs> but for the water, I don't think so. Because, again, the organisms are not ready for this uh, molecule, like the caffeine. And in some fish can cause like um, some tumors, you know, <laughs> and problems. Yes, because it's very high concentration. And it's not just the coffee that the people is not drinking and dump it. The young people are using this new beverage with very high concentration in caffeine, you know, and sometimes they use the pills and I don't know why, <laughs> but, you know, they have a pretty new battery and then, yeah, <laughs> uh, but still they are using and there is a lot of um, caffeine that is dumped into the, the lake. So it's Sorry, it's not caffeine that our bodies aren't processing. It's caffeine. No, no, no. no. It's, it's just directly the caffeine. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you drink the caffeine, um, you pee different molecules. Okay. <laughs> it's a little change, and this is not the problem. Or at least we don't study yet what is the problem of this metabolite. But the caffeine, yes, is a problem. And sometimes I say to my student that the lakes is like a addictive lake. You know, because all the kind of drugs go there, licit mm. and illicit. Yeah. And we drink it, that water. An addicted kind of lake. I like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you make me feel horrible. This whole show, I'm just like, I'm, I'm <laughs> destroying these lakes with, oh, that's horrible. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so one thing you like to focus on a lot is, uh, is, uh, sharing your work with kind of di diverse groups of audiences, right? I know you do scientific conferences. Every professor does. Uh, but it seems like you also go to outer groups. You, um, we have a lot of graduate students, early career researchers who are on this, uh, who listen to this podcast, excuse me. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you decide to do that and, and whether or not you, th or why you think that's important to do? You know, um, when we studied the science, and like me, I ended in the academia. I tried to use all my experience to form the new colleague, yeah? And I think it's important that every time that we, the research that we are doing, we need to show to the community what is the results, what is that we found it. And it's very important, like this, the microplastic topic, to communicate to the community to... Uh, how can I say it? Educate them that the plastic is not just garbage, you know, it's something else. And then the people start to thinking, oh, yeah. And then, you know, in somehow we need to um, avoid that the people continue using plastic just because. Yeah. But remember, the people will use plastic because nobody tell you that is bad. Yes, it's the same for you. Now you know about something about plastic. And when you want to buy it, maybe um, some product or food that is in plastic, you say, no, I don't want to buy it. And then you start to feeling that it's painful. <laughs> but this is the idea. Whatever you found that you need to communicate to everybody. That's obviously near and dear to our heart at Sea Grant because we're an outreach and extension organization and, and sort of taking research and helping uh, connect that to stakeholders is something that's really, really important yeah. to us. And, and so when I saw the work you did there, it made me really happy to see because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I believe that used science is the best science, right? And and so the work that you're doing and, and uh, to take that out is, is good. Yes, it's no secret. 
You know, we need yep. to say it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that hard though? Sometimes, like talking, in, I mean, because chemistry is really technical, huh? And and so, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> I changed majors to not take so. chemistry. <laughs> so, uh, do you find it's it's chemistry hard? Chemistry is everything. Yeah. Is it hard to to have those conversations with the general public, or or, or are there secrets to that? Not really, you know, because you don't need to tell them about the, what is the scientific name of, yeah. or what kind of reaction is that, you know. You just need to say it as something that they can connect what's going on with the garbage, with this one toxic compounds or something, you know. You just need to give the information that they yeah. understand that the plastic is bad. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's easy to definitely express the that information um, to the younger scientists and those that are coming up. Do you ever have any pushback when you're talking to the general public about why they should be using the four R's with plastic and different practices that we use every day? The main situation that I can tell you is that they are, they show surprise. They say, really? The plastic are yeah. really bad. You know, it's like a, Every time that I'm talking with the community is something like that. And I say, you know, we are studying this for more than 20 years. And, <laughs> and the people say, really? Yes. And this is one thing. The other thing, the young people is saying, well, we can do it. Everything is plastic. I don't know what to do it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then the older people say, oh, yes, we need to go back to the glass. We need to go back to the something, you know. But the young people is like a, it's impossible to change. Yeah. If I were smarter about this, which I'm not, I would I would really get it. So so, what makes different types of plat like so? What even we may end up having to edit this out, but I'm just too curious. So I apologize. <laughs> what even is a plastic? Let's even start with like so. A, when things get together, your polys and your propylenes, uh, what 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 makes something a plastic on like the most you know basic level? It's just the carbon-hydrogen okay. combination, and it's just the huge change of this. This is why we call it polymers, you know? And it depends what is the structure. could be like a, a one line or could be like a the line with something in the middle, you know? Okay. And this is the different kind of plastic. But the main situation is that when you form the plastic, this, they are forever. Yeah, because... and, and they are so cheap, and so, and if the plastic looks more like a glass, like now we have a so beautiful, is very bad. Oh, really? And it's very bad because contain another chemicals. Yeah. Now I remember that uh, right right around the time we had our first kid was when BPA like became a thing, uh, and it was you know those clear plastics had BPA, and so you had to get rid of anything that had BPA, or else your children would. Uh, be mutants and you know have yeah, uh, but but so we have yeah, so so there are just many many configurations of carbon and hydrogen. Is that what you said? Carbon and hydrogen atoms. Yes, carbon and, and hydrogen, and they added the colored phthalates. Okay. And the phthalates make soft the plastic, hmm. and compounds are not bonded chemically with the plastic. Are free, and then when you um, warm your food in the microwave, that you are doing is just just put the talate from the plastic in your food. Oh, oh. awesome! <sighs> awesome. It's <just> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the talates can cause cancer. Yeah, 
we recently moved to glass um, storage containers, so that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gosh. We need to start to moving. You know, all the time I I went to the one dollar store because they have a a lot of plastic, and now they are decreasing. They have more glass. Hmm. Oh, really? That's Again. interesting. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it is good. I have to revisit there. We bought these glass glasses at IKEA, and they have like the cheap, cheap ones and the less cheap ones. It turns out the cheap, cheap ones aren't tempered, so you can break a lot of them. Um, so like the, this whole and like you can this, recycle and it's yeah, okay. yeah. But now my floor is covered in micro glass stick. I guess <laughs> we keep cutting ourselves. Uh, but but so I need to go to the dollar store maybe and get higher quality than the cheap glasses I have currently. Uh, that's good. Well, uh, Lorena Rios Mendoza, that's all really interesting, but that's actually not the reason why we invited you here on Teach Me About the Great Lakes. And the reason that we invited you here for these next two questions. Uh, number one, if you could choose to have a great donut for breakfast or a great sandwich for lunch, which of those would you choose? Oh, so easy. Easy. Chocolate donut. Chocolate donut. <laughs> and is there a place, so you're at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. Is that in Superior? What is the city where you are? In Superior, yes. Okay. It's in Superior. So when we I come have to, one place, yeah, that is good. When I yeah, so when I come to visit Superior and I want a chocolate donut, where do I go? Oh, you know, it's in one of the main streets, and there is the um, Dawson Skews. Okay, they are so good, fresh every day. Really? All right, I'm googling mm -hmm. it right now. Sounds uh, like we need a road trip, Stuart. Yes. Well, I've got a big, <laughs> yes, a dozen excuses. Yeah, Don't have to very early, like a six in the morning. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm usually up well before then, so that's good. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> oh, look, it's cute. All right, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll put a link uh, to a whole bunch of things in the show notes, actually, which you can visit by going to uh, teachmeaboutthegreatlakes.com slash 15, because this is episode 15 somehow. Time flies. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, or just look down at your phone or podcast player and you'll probably see the show notes there. Uh, great. So I'll be going to a dozen excuses next time I'm up in your neck of the woods. Uh, and the, the second question is, uh, what is one piece of life advice that you have for our listeners? It can be big or little, serious or silly. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. We've had people quote RuPaul. We've had people uh, tell us what they might tell their kids. Uh, you know, anything you think is good life advice so that everybody can take away something positive in addition to feeling horrible about what they're doing to the lake. Yeah, you know, I have a, in mind, I have a two. And the one is that I told you already is the four R's with the, my favorite is refuse to use the plastic if you don't need to use it. And I know with this COVID situation is very hard, but please think we need to avoid the plastic in the most possible. And the second, you know, is always I'm thinking and told to my student, hey, if your problem has a solution, don't worry, you know. But if your problem doesn't have a solution, don't worry, you know, <laughs> be happy. But now that you need to do it is just please wear your mask because we need yeah. it. <laughs> There we go. I think those are three excellent pieces of life <laughs> advice. Oh, yeah. Yes, I appreciate all three of those. Uh, Lorena Rios Mendoza, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where's the best place for them to go? Is it a website or a social media or what? where can they go? No, I think just in the website to the university. Great. You know, I'm older generation. I don't have a... <laughs> uh, online nothing <laughs> that explains why you are a professor of chemistry and i am a host of a podcast well lorena <laughs> rios mendoza thank you so much for coming on and teaching us all about the great lakes 
And I'll thank you for the opportunity to talk a little about the plastic. And that's really wonderful. We're so glad that Lorena could come on and teach us a lot about the chemistry related to some of these microplastics. Because, I mean, this is not an issue that's that's going away, is it, anytime soon? Not at all. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the second time we talked about it, but I think there are many more times in our in our future because it's just, uh, it's going to be a problem and, you know, potentially a growing problem uh, over time. And, and so, uh, but I, I'll be honest, I do feel a little bit positive about it, Megan, like, cause you hear, you know, again, I'm, I'm suspicious of the straws because I think that's a nice way to feel good. And we have metal straws, of course. Oh, I mean, you know, lots of metal straws, but, but, uh, uh, our straws are very metal. Um, but, but, uh, you know, I'm suspicious that that's going to make a difference. I think just cause what she's saying is that a lot of the, the plastic is in garbage. Exactly. It comes from other sources. Um, so I, I do feel optimistic long-term, but I think there's a lot of work to be done there. And I know there was a huge shift to using plastic straws and, or sorry, to not using plastic straws and using paper straws in restaurants. Yeah. But I traveled recently and they, they offered plastic straws wherever we went. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of work to done, to be done, even, even to get some of these small victories that maybe could add up over time. Well, so uh, what is something you learned about uh, the Great Lakes today? Oh my goodness, Stuart, pretty much all the things. <laughs> Everything <laughs> I learned was new. Um, yeah. But the things that, that really hit home, um, were that the smaller the plastic, the more toxins yeah. are concentrated within them. That blew my mind, which means all these microplastics that we're trying to fight, um, they're just little toxic balls. Yeah, that's <laughs> little toxic balls. Yes, and that's not good. You don't want to be, you don't want to ingest little toxic balls at all. No. Um, or anyway, and uh, yeah, that is definitely something I think is interesting. And the thing I learned today was that there are like over 60,000 kinds of plastic and, and something I'd like to yeah, learn. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, something I want to learn more about in the future, I, I guess we could have asked or we'll follow up with is, is so, I mean, these are probably categorized into like big classes, but like, is this something where you have to think about each individual one and kind of knock them out one at a time? Here's a replacement for each of these or... Uh, you know, are we going to be able to develop materials that can kind of take care of whole swaths of these? And I don't, I don't know the answer there, but I think it would probably be important. And are the plastics we're using a combination of yeah. all the six thousand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, uh, tune into some other future episode where I'm sure we will continue to talk about this, <laughs> if nothing else, because we want to uh, have Sarah Zach back on. So I encourage you to check out that episode at uh, Teach Me About the Great Lakes dot uh, com slash one. I also encourage you to follow the show on um, social media. We're at Twitter at uh, Teach Great Lakes, which sometimes I remember, sometimes I don't. And you can follow Illinois Indiana Sea Grant um, on Twitter and a lot of other social media at I-L-I-N Sea Grant for Illinois Indiana Sea Grant. And somebody was asking, C is spelled like the ocean, not like the letter. Uh, Megan, where can people go to find out more about what you do? You can follow me on Twitter at underscore TFFP, or you can also find me on Instagram at The Familiar Faces Project. There we go. And go there to find out more about the great work that Megan is doing. And uh, with that, we'll see you. Oh, I'm, oh, 
I meant to mention this at the top, so I'm mentioning it at the end. It's a little bonus for those of you who have not tuned out yet, um, which is probably multiple dozens of you. Uh, <laughs> this is a, an exactly monthly podcast, as you know. We are always released on exactly the first Monday, but I am happy to announce that we are now going to try, not always succeed, but try to also release an episode on the third Monday of the month. So what I'm saying is the first Monday of every month, the third Monday of some months. And so uh, this, if I didn't screw up the release calendar, is uh, the first Monday of August, which is August 3rd. So tune back in on August uh, 17th, and we may have another episode. And uh, if we do, we look forward to talking to you then. And if we don't, well, we look forward to seeing you on down the line. And with that, thank you for listening, and keep grating those legs. All right.